0: This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center on the web at www.sfzc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Good evening. Well, I'm really happy to be here, and I'm really happy to be talking to all of you this evening and a special welcome to uh, Keith and Leslie. What a treat. So happy you're here. Uh, Yeah, people ask me uh, what's going on at Tassahara, how's the practice at Tassahara these days? You're not having a guest season, what the heck's going on? Uh, I've been telling them, and people do ask me on the regular, (laughs) that we are small but mighty. Um, The practice here is, uh, it feels vigorous. It feels uh, engaged and robust to me right now. Uh, So, yeah, I'm really appreciating everyone's practice this summer. Uh, You know, it's weird, it's not what anyone expected, and um, it actually feels uh, true. Yeah, true. That's a good word. Uh, I'd like to start my talk. The way. I always start my talks. Mm-hmm. This gives me something to talk about, and then I get rolling. It's, it's my little device for giving a Dharma talk, so I always start the same way. I want to thank and acknowledge my teacher, uh, the late Sojanel Whiteson Roshi, the old Buddha of the East Bay. Uh, His gifts uh, just too too many to enumerate. Uh, not, not if I took... All tonight and tomorrow I could go on and on and I want to say that this talk is just to encourage you in your practice what is it that thus comes what is it that thus comes is on? I guess it's a question it was a koan for a great Zen teacher, Nanwei, <clears throat> a disciple of Huainan. If you have received the precepts, you will get a Ketchin Literally, it means blood vein, but it's the uh, lineage document, you know, uh, in, uh, morning services, we chant the lineage of Buddhas and ancestors, and there's a document that starts with Shakyamuni Buddha and ends with you when you receive the precepts, all the teachers going down, but, or rather, and, um, in, in our kitchen Yakus, uh, after Huinang, the blood vein splits, actually. There's like two veins that go down through uh, so-called Rinzai lineage and so-called Soto lineage. And then they join again at hey Dogen because Dogen received Dharma transmission in both lineages. Right? He received Dharma transmission from his Rinzai teacher, Menzan, as well as his Soto teacher, Rujin. Uh, so you fine find... Um, Nangaku Ejo, in Japanese, on your Yaku. That's the beginning of so-called Rinzai lineage. So there's a story that uh, I think Dogen must have liked this story very, very much because it shows up in the Shobogenzo, the treasury of the true Dharma eye, his life's work, uh, in a few places. And it's referenced in Fukansa Zengi twice. Okay, so as you know, we chant Fukansa Zengi as part of our uh, liturgy, you know, morning service, and uh, Fukanzazenji is Dogen's basically zazen instruction, uh, universally recommending seated meditation. A ceremony of seated meditation, zazen. Uh, yeah, so in, in uh, summer currently, currently we're chanting uh, part one Fukazazen, and then part two Fukazazen. Right? Yeah. So you're treated to you, you get to hear it in both. In, in part one, you get a reference to the story, and in part two, you get a reference to the story. Okay. Fukan Zengi starts out, the way is originally perfect and all-pervading. How could it be contingent upon practice and realization? Right? Sound familiar? And then we get to Fukan part two. You get to chant, practice realization, there's those words again, is naturally undefiled. Going forward in practice is a matter of everydayness. So, seemingly, this is pretty important to uh, our founder in Japan, Ehei Dogen. Um, it's been my great pleasure in recent weeks to, uh, I've been off and on studying Shobogenzo with my student, Reverend Curtis Fabens. Uh, yeah, it's just been really wonderful. And so that's what's been up for me. And that's why I'm kind of interested in talking about Shobogenzo right now. Uh, but this, this story in particular, uh, like I said, it shows up in more than one place in uh, Shobogenzo, but in um, Shobogenzo Henzan, which means uh, is translated as uh, all-inclusive study he tells the story very well. And I just happened to have brought along, or rather, Chico brought it. It's me. <laughs> Speak truth. Jordan very kindly brought along for me uh, my handy dandy copy of Moon in a Dewdrop. This is what Zen Center, has. She published this before publishing the complete show again so there's some some really good ones uh, put together in here Uh, and uh, this seems to be the one i keep coming back to over and over there's there's so many marginalia in this book it's just ridiculous Uh, but i can still read it so uh, hui neng as you probably know is the sixth ancestor of zen After Bodhidharma, that interesting statue on the left side of the altar, Bodhidharma came from India to China to uh, bring the teaching of Zen to China, right? Y'all know that. There's a famous koan about that. Why did Bodhidharma come from the West? You know why? Want me to tell you? Because a, a strong woman teacher told him to. His teacher, Prajnatara, said, go. See, that's the koan. And then next time you hear that koan, you can say, his teacher told him to. And yeah, she, actually. Prajnatara, the uh, uh, the uh, academic evidence that Prajnatara was a woman far outweighs uh, any evidence that she was a man. So just, they, they, they call him a man, you know, because that's just male hegemony at work, right? <clears throat> anyway, I digress. Huai uh, was often referred to as the Chinese Buddha, a great, great, great teacher. Um, so Dogen refers to him here as the old Buddha. You're turning me up and down. What you doing over there? To get the echo out. It's good. It's good. It's good. Not too long. I, I, I probably don't even need this. Um, so, here we go. Here's the story. When Zen teacher Dahui of Nanwei, first went to meet Huineng, the old Buddha of Tsaoshu, the old Buddha said, what is it that thus comes? Dahui all-inclusively studied that lump of mud for eight years and then presented this move to the ancient Buddha. So another version of this story, um, it's clear that this is their first encounter. First Doka-san. Can you imagine a new student showing up in the monastery? Yeah, in, in another version of this story, it says, where are you from? That's the first question, you know. A simple, a simple question. Hoennam says, where are you from? He this from Song? And then he says, what is it that thus comes? That's a pretty heavy thing to lay on somebody in your very first encounter. I'm just saying, you know, the Buddha is called the Thus Come One, the Tathagata. And here, Huayna is like, first meeting. Oh, what is it that thus comes? Whoa. So, nine ways, I don't know. Flustered? Overwhelmed? Um, stuck? Um, he can't say anything. Not only that, he doesn't come back for Dokusan for eight years. He doesn't leave the monastery. He's not ready to meet with Wei Nung again until eight years have gone by. Can you imagine? All inclusively studied that lump of mud <laughs> for eight years and then presented this move to the ancient Buddha. I understand now. When I first came here, you instructed me, what is it that thus comes? Then the ancient Buddha of Saosho said, what do you understand? Dahwe said, speaking about it won't hit the mark. The old Buddha of Saosho said, does it rest on practice and realization? Other translations say, Does it rely on practice and realization? Or does it depend on practice and realization? Actually, I think I like that one the best. Does it depend on practice and realization? In other words, does this mean there's practice and then there's realization? Dahwe said, it's not that there's no practice and no realization, it's just that they cannot be defiled. Again, that's a good translation, but other translations have it as they cannot be separated, which I prefer. It's not that there's no practice in realization. It's just that they can't be separated. Then, Cao said, Hway Nung, that is, said, I am like this, you are like this, and all the Buddha ancestors in India are also like this. that's the whole story it's not that there's no practice and realization it's just that they can't be separated they can't be defiled you can't talk about them separately you can't say practice now, realization later it's a one thing and this is the bedrock of Soda Zen um, I gave three talks last summer about suchness or thusness um, it's a not a concept. (laughs) It is a a very, very basic bedrock root teaching of Soto Zen. Shusho Ichinyo. Shusho, practice realization, which Dogen often uh, wrote as one word. Shusho, practice realization. Ichinyo, one Suchness. Nyo is suchness or thusness. Uh, it's the same as in the Japanese word for tatagata. The thus come one in Japanese is nyo-rai. You might recognize that from some of our Japanese echoes. Nyo-rai. Thus come one. Nyo. Thusness, suchness. What is it that thus comes? Shu Ichimyo, the wholeness of practice and realization. So that's kind of, um, as I said, the basis of understanding. And then there's how we put our understanding into action. Um, this, for my teacher, Sojun Roshi, was the most important question. He'd always say, I'm not interested in what or why. I'm interested in how. How do we actualize our understanding? How do we put it into practice? Zen, it has been said, is a religion of action. We're all about praxis, not theory. Praxis, not belief. Suzuki Roshi used to say, I don't care what you believe, you know. You can be a Christian and practice Zen. You can be an atheist and practice Zen. You can believe what you like and practice Zen. It's about the practice, it's about this thing that we do with our bodies, with our whole bodies and minds. But it's, yeah, it's not, necess- it's not about what you believe so much, it's about what you do. How do we put this into action? How indeed? Well, I could go off in a lot of different directions from there, but I won't. I will segue into another fascicle. Yeah. (laughs) uh, This is what I'm currently studying with uh, Reverend Curtis, and it's a very famous one. And I'm so glad that Leslie's here because it's one that Leslie's been very fond of. This one is called Yuibutsu Yobutsu or Only a Buddha and a Buddha. Familiar with that one? Pretty famous. A few heads nodding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the title of that classical comes from chapter two of the Lotus Sutra. Chapter two is Hoben or skillful means, and in there, it says, "Only a Buddha together with a Buddha can master the true suchness of reality." There's that word again. Can master the true suchness of reality. Not by yourself. Only a Buddha and a Buddha. Ah. Uh, I am very gratified to get in that reference to the Lotus Sutra in my talk tonight. Just like to say the words Lotus Sutra. However, um, you know Dogen, if you cut him, he'd bleed the Lotus Sutra. No surprise. No surprises there. Uh, I don't know if uh, you learned essay writing in high school or anything, high school English. Uh, I did. I had to I had to write essays and they they used to really emphasize the importance of the topic sentence. The first sentence is really important. Okay, you have you have a topic you have a first paragraph, that's really important. And the first sentence of the first paragraph is really important. That's the topic sentence. And that's how Dogen wrote. That's like all these fascicles actually. uh, uh most of them you know they kind of like he, he he went to my high school or something you know uh that's how he writes it must be kind of a universal thing so um <laughs> i want to share the topic sentence of yubutsu yobutsu with you because it's pretty good buddha dharma cannot be known by a person period Buddhadharma cannot be known by a person, an individual person. It doesn't work that way. Sure, I can read you the whole paragraph. Buddhadharma cannot be known by a person for this reason. Since olden times, no ordinary person has realized Buddha Dharma. No practitioner of the lesser vehicles has mastered Buddha Dharma because it is realized by Buddhas alone. It is said only a Buddha and a Buddha can thoroughly master it. That's the quote from the Lotus Sutra. So. I feel like I've been saying this a lot. Recently, in the past few years, and in many different ways. Um, Our practice only happens in relationship. Community only happens with communication. And, uh, you know, my new favorite line. Nobody can do it for you, and you can't do it alone. So this happens in relationship. in the Shuso ceremony that we do uh, in practice period when there's a head monk and they, they sit on the platform and they have all these scripted lines uh, one of the lines at the very beginning is Shuso says let us call forth the Dharma together let us call forth the Dharma together it's something that we do it's not something I do something that we do as a community. All songs everywhere. Um. <clears throat> so there was a, a, a quote I wanted to use to this end um, that I was convinced that my friend Zenju Erdlin-Manuel had said that I read rather an article that she'd written somewhere a long time ago that really uh, I've liked a lot Uh, and I believe it went something like when I hear people talking about my practice my understanding my path I think the real the wheel of the Dharma has got a flat tire. I, when I lived in Hunters Point, I had a friend uh, I used to hang out with, a mechanic. And if you see a flat tire, you'd go, "It's only flat on one side." He thought that was really funny. He'd make the same joke every time. <laughs> so corny. It's only flat on one side. Uh huh. But that's one-sided practice. Yeah. only flat on one side. It's flat because it's one-sided practice. Because it's selfish, actually, strong word, or um, um, self-absorbed, self-centered. That's actually not how this practice gets traction at all. It happens in relationship. Now, I don't like to quote uh, contemporaries, friends, or students without their permission, especially if I'm not sure I got it right, so I wrote to Zenju, and I asked her if I could quote her. I said, I'm pretty sure, I read this somewhere, that you said this, I've always liked it, uh, and I. I told her what I, I just said to you and I said, Can I use it? Do you remember saying that? And she wrote me back actually. So sweet. She wrote me back, she says, Dear Greg, well, that's not a quote I recognize as mine only because of the car analogy. I can say that we don't own our practice like an object. The path is wider than an ocean. You can't grasp it, hold on to it, and show it off and say that we possess it. It's a collective experience for the benefit of all and for the ancestors. I can say that. And so I said, Cool. Can I read that in my Dharma talk? And she said, Fine. And I'm very happy to have her permission because it's the same point. You know, it's a collective experience. This is where the strength of practice comes from. Actually, to my view, there's a lot of power there. A lot of power. And... We really need that strength. We need that power. Because these are really trying times we're living in. What is it that thus comes? Indeed. The news cycle. It's all bad. It's all just like, terrible. I thought, you know, sort of quasi writing this talk. And I thought, well, okay, I could, I could start to enumerate things. And then I thought, if I do that, I'm gonna have to give this whole talk a content warning. I'm not gonna do that. We used to be, Tassahara that is, used to be quite insulated from the new cycle. We get our news very much after the fact, when actual paper newspapers were brought in, which we still do that, but everybody's on the internet all the time. It's very different. I found out about the World Trade Center, 9-11, 2001, in a work circle announcement. Can you believe that? Uh, and I didn't, I didn't see any video until like three weeks later. Times have certainly changed. So I'm not going to get into particulars. I don't have to. You know. What is it that thus comes? It's all too much. And there's something that to my heart, to my heart speaks to this in Yubutsu Yobutsu, and I think it's a favorite of Leslie's. I've certainly heard her talk about it before. And it's this bit. Section five. For those of you keeping track at home. Page 164 in my copy of Muna Ndudrop. Long ago, a monk asked an old teacher When hundreds, thousands, or myriads of objects come all at once, what should be done?" The teacher replied, Don't try to control them. What she means is that in whatever way objects come, do not try to change them. Whatever comes is the Buddha Dharma, not objects at all do not understand the teacher's reply as merely a brilliant admonition but realize that it is the truth even if you try to control what comes it cannot be controlled is it that thus comes? It's all too much. It's too much. It's so easy to go into overwhelm. Well anyway, it's easy for me. I go into overwhelm on the regular. It's scary. In whatever way objects come, do not try to change them. Whatever comes is the Buddha Dharma, not objects at all. That's that's a lot to take in. That's a lot to sit with. Stay present for whatever arises. Whatever. There's a uh, a well-known activist um, named Valerie Carr. Uh, she's a devout practitioner of Sikh religion and a social activist of note. Native Californian. Heard of her? No. Well, she wrote a wonderful book called See No Stranger, A Memoir and Manifesto of Revolutionary Love. I never met her, but I'd sure like to. And uh, Valerie Carr had this to say that I like a lot. She said, you may say, it's too much. All this grief, all this violence and injustice, it's too hard. You are right. The mind can comprehend one death, but it cannot comprehend thousands, especially when one's own community, nation, or ancestors played some part in causing the death. Mother Teresa once said, if I look at the mass, I will never act. If I look at the one, I will. And so, begin with one. Can you choose one person to practice wondering about? you listen to the story they have to tell. If your fists tighten or your heart beats fast or if shame rises to your face, it's okay. Breathe through it. Trust that you can. The heart is a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. So there you go. There's one potential answer. Thousands of things come all at once. Can you just meet it one at a time? Some of you were here uh, when I was talking about uh, the Buddha's cousin, Devadatta, the bad seed. Tried to kill the Buddha more than once. Got that man-killer... Elephant, one of his plots, just one of his plots to kill the Buddha. You got that man-killing elephant, Nalagiri, got it good and drunk, set it loose in the street, charging straight at the Buddha. That's how I feel about current events these days. There's a drunken elephant charging at me. wow we. And, you know, it's such a great story. I love that story. But it just stood there. Abhyaya Mudra. Non-fear. Elephant comes to dead stop. Starts caressing him with his trunk. A gutsy guy, but he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. It's quite an example to set. Yeah. So maybe. The answer is, uh, you just meet what comes, when it comes, as we can, the best we can. Sojourn Roshi always said, just take very good care of whatever's in front of you. Suzuki Roshi said, just shine one corner of the world. You might think, uh, well, we're not so many. What can we do? You might be surprised. Be open to being surprised. Be open to being heroes. It's one of the epithets of the Bodhisattva, Tibetan Buddhism. Warriors, heroes. People are willing to stand up and say, ah, not this time, no, there's another way, we can find another way, and that's the request of a suffering world, so, in a minute because I'm about done in a minute we're going to chant the Bodhisattva vows favorite these ridiculous impossible vows that we chant over and over what the heck what's up with that well I'll tell you what it means to me It means we're in it for the long haul. This is no short-term project. Why a lot of the Mahayana Sutras talk about lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. Lifetimes as numerous as the sands of the river Ganges. Don't despair. Don't stop. Don't give up. things change and we can and I dare say must be the agents of change it's okay you know I find it very comforting. i are going to have to figure this out tonight. We're in for the long haul. Stay with it. The suffering world is grateful. I'm grateful. I appreciate everyone's practice. And I, I'm I mean that from the bottom of my heart. So, thank you for your kind attention tonight. Um, Yeah. Mm. The practice of Dhanaparamita, the perfection of giving. Now, we're going to give each other an earlier night. And bedtime. How about that? I find that very agreeable. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the San Francisco Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your financial support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information, visit sfcc.org and click giving.